Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au if you're listening online. My name is Lauren and I'm joined in the studio today by Kate and Rebecca. This week is Mental Health Week from October 9th to October 15th. Each year, Mental Health Week highlights a different theme and this year's focus is mental health. Where to from here? And that's a really good question. Here at Brainwaves, we had a discussion about this year's theme and we agreed that for many individuals, wellness and recovery is associated with setting a healthy routine by gaining meaningful employment. For this reason, today we'll be interviewing Phil Crooks from Sensewide to talk about finding employment through a disability employment service. So thank you, Phil, Phil, for being here with us today. It's a pleasure to join you here at 3CR today and a great week to be doing it and a great theme to have. Yes, it very much is. So take it away, guys. Thank you. So, Phil, uh, maybe you can just outline for our listeners what you actually do at Sensewide. So Sensewide's a disability employment service provider, so that's open to all disabilities. But I suppose my area of expertise is the mental health area. And what makes it me, what I do a little bit different is that I work uh, primarily outside of the, or inside the Whittlesea Community Mental Health Clinic, which is now known as Community Team North. So I'm working um, outreach, but I work in amongst with the clinicians and the doctors and uh, where all our consumers are coming in and out of. That makes it a little bit different to the offices you, that uh, a lot of consumers would normally go to. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so what are some of the significant barriers to employment for people who suffer from mental illness? Um, oh, There's a lot of barriers. I usually refer to them as layers of the onion that we have to sort of work through with clients about what they have to do. Um, people that have uh, suffered from a mental illness for a long period of time, may also have um, long periods of unemployment and a, um, the ability not to sustain employment, so lots of little drabs of empo- employment. Um, so there's all those sort of little layers that you've got to get across or get around or get them to a point where they can be fairly steady and sustain a job. So a lot of people will say, you know, it's really, really hard to get a job. And I'll agree with them, but mm. it's harder to sustain it. That's the that's the real test if you can keep going with it. Absolutely. Um, so you're helping people with a variety of different mental health problems. Um, some have anxiety and depression, and others will have psychosis and schizophrenia. What are some of uh, what are the some some of the particular obstacles faced by people with different conditions that you've had an experience with that we've had to do? So. Yeah. Probably a good way of answering your question is to give you an idea of what employment assistance can look like. Mm-hmm. And I usually put this at the sort of if you're on a scale of 0 to 100, this is somewhere between 90 and 100 in assistance. Yeah. And I like telling this story because it sometimes makes me sound as though I'm a bit of a saint and pretty good as well, but that's not <laughs> why I'm saying it. So I'd like to, obviously without naming him, but a client, one of the first clients I had when I moved up to the clinic in, in uh, the Northern Hospital, He's a guy that was diagnosed with schizophrenia, uh, also suffered badly from paranoia and anxiety. So, And this guy had recently relocated from New South Wales to Victoria, so he was socially isolated. Mm. He didn't have... He was relying on public transport. So he had a lot of, number of things against him. And uh, 
when I took him on, it was a couple of months after a fairly serious overdose that he took. And he was sort of very lucky if he hadn't been found, we wouldn't be talking about him today, that type. So he'd probably been pretty close down to near the bottom to where he is. So the only way was up for, for this chap. He was a very keen job seeker, but his anxiety, he couldn't pick up the phone and talk mm. to anyone. He could fax things off and he'd ask me to do this and do that, but he couldn't actually pick up the phone and talk to anyone because the, the anxiety would just become too much for him. So that's what part of my role was with him, is to advocate on his behalf. So once you advocate on behalf of someone else, that enters in a whole different, uh, a, whole, a lot of things open up then, and one of them is disclosure. Because not everyone's got someone ringing an mm -hmm. employer up mm -hmm. on your behalf. So if you're on the other end of the phone, you're thinking, well, that's well and good. Why have you got someone ringing up? So straight away, there's that part of it. So with this guy, he found a job one day which wasn't too far away from where he lived. It was a bit of a distance, a bit of a hike, but we could get him there. And it was as just as it's a simple job, part-time food process worker. Mm -hmm. It was 18 hours a week. Another layer to this guy's onion is he just got onto the DSP. And the rules of the day in the DSP is you could only work 14 hours a week, couldn't surpass 30 over a fortnight. Mm -hmm. So there's immediately, we have to negotiate something like that. So what we did, I rang up the employer, I explained who I was, explained what I was doing and why I was doing it. I've got this guy that's interested in the job. The one big tick he had, he had a little bit of experience in that area, so we had something to sell him on. Not, everyone had, not everyone's got even that, but he did have one thing I could say, well, he has done this before. So we were able to arrange the interview. The employer was happy enough to talk to us. I picked this guy up. I drove over with him. I attended the interview with him. I probably spoke... I don't know, 80% of the time with him. This guy was, um, I'm looking for employers. Um, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking for empathy in employers. So we don't want anyone to feel sorry for us. We mm. just want someone just to say, well, okay, this is the situation. How can we get the job done, you know, with, with all things being considered? So we went through the interview and we explained and it sort of came to the time of disclosure. So disclosure is a very personal thing for people. Mm. Um, it can make life easier for, for clients, but uh, to me it's a personal choice. So if people want to disclose, we will. If they don't, we'll, we'll work another way about it. This guy in particular, he would have handed over his whole file if it meant he got the job. He wasn't too fussed about it. So the employer himself actually said to me, he said, look, I can't see anything wrong with this guy. Um, has he got a bad back? He was worried about a work cover claim. Oh, and I said, he hasn't got a bad back, I can guarantee you, which was... I had my fingers crossed because I actually never asked him if he had a bad back. But anyway, <laughs> we just went with that and <laughs> assumed that he didn't have a bad back. And uh, no, he said, no, look, he was, he's been diagnosed with a mental illness, fully treated, is on medication and is travelling nice and steady and he's ready to work. He'll be one of the best workers you can get. He was happy enough to take him on. So we got that part done. The other part that you can do in this employment assistance is offer a wage subsidy. Now, that's not like winning tax lotto for an employer. <laughs> but it does take a little bit of pain out of that sort of probation period. So if things don't go quite as well as what you'd hope, so they can, they're not sort of giving everything away. It's a little bit of financial ease, which might just help you get it over the line. It's not something I'd use for everybody, but in certain cases it, it can, get you, can get people over the line into employment and then it's up to them to prove their way. So he gets the job, it's three days a week. We actually negotiated the hours down from 18 to 14 and off we're running. So. I got up early for three mornings in his first week, picked him up, drove him over there like a kid going to school and he was nervous as anything, <laughs> dropped him off, came back at lunchtime and picked him up for three days in a row. 
And that got him started. And that got him going. And the second week, I wasn't going to be doing that for the rest of my life because it was too early. <laughs> so the second week, I travel trained him for two days in a row, went to his place, showed, right, we need to catch a bus. You need to be at that bus stop at that time, catch the bus to there, swap over, hop on that one, get there. You can walk for 10 minutes and you're there. We did that. Now, that's three years ago and he's still working there. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. So this guy is – now, I'm not going to say it's all been smooth sailing. I won't. I don't tell fibs mm. to anyone. It hasn't been all smooth sailing over the way, uh, along the way. He has had a couple of flare-ups now and again where um, things, other areas, have become a little bit unwell. But because of the relationship with the employer in this particular case, we've been able to work that over. He has an understanding of what that is and how that can be overcome. And he, you know, he gives us a certain amount of empathy. And this particular guy now, got his in this period, has got his driver's license because he's had enough money to afford to get lessons and get his license mm. and get a car. He's got a partner. He's got a child. Oh, that's so amazing. So I tell him, you know, welcome welcome to life. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're, now you're sort of, and from where he was when I first met him, and that's not just me, that's him doing it, not me doing it. That's him actually sticking to it and having someone just giving A, the opportunity, and B, to sort of go where he is. So that's a lot of assistance over a long, over a three-year period. Mm. We're still sort of seeing him and, rescuing him now and again. So that's a lot of, certainly a lot of assistance at the start. Awesome, thank you so much for sharing that. Like it's it's just amazing also to hear like how he's doing now. Like I think mm. that's really important. Um, do you offer encounter resistance or stigma from potential employer, employers when it comes to employing someone with mental illness? Um, short answer's no. Right? Short that's actually really good to hear. Is no. <laughs> So what I would tell clients is that with the evolution of time, if, if we're to believe what the stats are, and that's one in five people are affected by mental illness. So the person that's interviewing over the road here is talking to me. The chances are that they're going to know someone mm. or have some personal experience of mental illness. Now, if we were sitting here 25 years ago, it was more, oh, shh, don't talk mm. about that. Don't talk about that. No, no, we don't never talk. No, that's not mentioned. So now it's out there. Like people discuss this. There's Beyond Blue. There's the whole thing. It's it's all out there. Everyone talks about it. It's not something that's hidden or so much shamed. Mm. That doesn't mean it's not a perfect world at the moment. So it doesn't mean people are still not going to get discriminated. And people, I have other clients. There's just a an alternative that did not want to disclose at all. Like, no, no, they mm. won't pick me. If they know I'm here, they won't, they'll never pick me. So you've got to work with that as well and just help the person rather than have a relationship with the employer. All right, so this is Mental Health Week on Brainwaves. We're talking to Phil Crooks from Sensewide about employment and future opportunities. We'll be right back after this. That was When I'm No Longer Poor by The Dead Salesman. You're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR. It's Mental Health Week and so we are talking to Phil Crooks from Sensewide talking about how to gain employment and what happens when you have a mental illness and you're trying to go back into the workforce. Thank you, Phil. Uh, so a lot of people don't know what they want to do for a job and this can even be harder for those who suffer from mental illness. How do you find a path forward for those people who simply don't know what they want to do? So that's a very, that's an excellent question. Where do you start with? So you have a blank sort of whiteboard that you start with and probably the first question, and I'm going to ask you to this question. Mm -hmm to see what it is yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you why do you think people work 
Oh, to have a sense of uh, belonging, achievement, to earn money. <laughs> yeah. I was going to kind of say the, the opposite and say, because you, you need money to live. Correct, basically. yeah. So to kind of sustain mm-hmm. a good life. So from that, if we're, if we're on Family Feud, money's the top answer yeah. that I get. I've asked that question about it three gazillion times, right? So that's the top yeah. answer. Don't worry about we it. We have yeah. a winner. Because yeah. you... In the majority of cases, people do need money to sustain whatever lifestyle they're leading and whatever that may bring, so whatever that does. But then there's, as you mentioned, mm. there's some other areas that it does give. And I think um, Lauren mentioned at the start about, you know, developing routines, giving mm. some mm. of the clients will say to me, I just want something to do yeah, rather than just be at home. I want something to do that makes me get up and go somewhere. Mm. Um it can give people a social outlet. So for some people, work's a social outlet. So it's about digging down with people and finding out what's what's going to motivate them. You need a motivating factor to work. So some people might be, some of my clients are in a situation where money is not the, the thing that they need. They might be living at home with their parents. They don't have to, you know, they've got everything supplied. They've got all those things. So the money's not going to change what they do. Something else is going to get them out of bed and make them want to go do it. So it's about trying to scratch dig down and find what the motivating factor is of what they can do and then it's a case of well what do you would what would you like to do and so one of the other questions i ask to is if i could wave the magic wand and say right you can start in a job next mm. monday morning whatever time you like and it's off to go what is it so if we get some sort of response to that you know this is this is all i want to do i'd be happy to do this or i'd be happy to do that just say, look, I'll be happy just to do a cleaning job. Mm. So then, okay, right, that would be a suitable job because cleaning job, the majority of my clients are looking for part-time work rather mm. than full-time work and they've got a, a benchmark of 8 to 14 hours or 15 to 22 hours, so it sort of falls well into that realm. So it's about giving them an understanding of, well, that will work well because given your condition and your appointments you have to make and the medication you're on and all those things we've got to weigh up, 15 hours a week will work really well. You'll be able to fit all that in and sort of go through. So if it's a cleaning role, we then start to go, okay, so what do you need to have a cleaning role? So some cleaning roles, um, you work like self-employed, so you have to get an ABN number. That might sound, oh, you know, oh God, that's going to be too hard. No, no, ABN number, we'll get that like that. That's mm-hmm. not a hard thing to do. Might need your own, okay, you haven't got your own transport, so that that will rule out all those jobs. But there might be cleaning jobs in facilities that we could look for mm-hmm. and go through. So it might be, you know, you might go to the you know, you go to the shopping centre and you see those guys going around cleaning up the food courts and stuff like that. Mm. Then you look at roles like that to sort of see where they go. On the other side, if they still don't, they're still not sure what they want to do, it's about, and this is a difficult thing for people. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. This is a bit confronting, but people have got to look for where they're going to fit in Mm. So people are employed under can do, will do and fits in. So can do means you've done the job, will do means you've studied to do the job. Fits in, that's sort of the big one. Do you fit into what we do here? So it's about, and that's confronting for some people because some people will feel, I don't fit in anywhere. So that's a difficult thing. We, we have to work our way through that. The truth is there will be somewhere that they do fit in, but finding it can be a little bit um has a bit of angst to it but we try to find where they're going to feel comfortable around other people and what they're doing so from those sort of bits and pieces you can sort of gather where where can we head this and where we can direct it i've got clients that have got unrealistic goals so 
you don't like to crush people's you know if they've got some ideas but mm, we have yeah. to be realistic and this is yeah. the this is the way it's going to work so if you want to you know be a, a, a pilot of an aeroplane that's great but you're not going to get a part-time eight-hour week job you know yeah. flying a plane you know is just being an extreme example you've got to be able to work within the parameters of what's reasonable and mm. what people will pay you to do and it will be most suitable for your health so it's about breaking down those things and you don't have to do that in a one-hour appointment you can do that work that over a bit of time just to sort of work the work the ideas and sort of see what it is and it might be a case of um you know someone might want to say so some of the industries that do offer part-time work like hospitality so send them to get a a, a food handler certificate right and we'll put that so then that becomes a chance that's it's not backbreaking. it's not overly hard it's not time you know it might take half a day or a day we'd pay for it and there's a sense of achievement Okay, you've done there, you've achieved that, you've got it. So automatically you've got something that some other people mightn't have going for the job. Recent shows shows the next employer that you're keen to do it. You know, look, I don't have any experience, but I've went out and I've got my food handler certificate. Mm. I know no one will get food poisoning while I'm working in your place. <laughs> right? So there's so there's a start and you achieve something and you've got something behind you and then you can sort of work your way, creep your way forward. Or you might get there and you think, no, this isn't going to be for me. And that's not a... That's not a waste of time. That's just ticking off all, okay, we tried that. That didn't work out. Let's look at something else that we can do. So that's sort of how we break down trying to find what people can, where they can head and what they can do. And in the end, it's about, it's not It's not a lot, you're not getting given a life sentence here. You can try it. And if it's not what you think it is or it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll go back to square one and we'll try something else. And it's never too late to change careers. No, yeah, even. absolutely. Even at my old age, I could change careers. <laughs> and I think that that's the beauty, like, especially, like, with education as well. Like, anyone can go out and get a certificate, mm. um, like, in retail, in hospitality or anything. Mm. And I think that's it's really important and it's really good that there's a service like that. Yep. So they learn, you learn good practices and you've got to be able to um, commit to things. Mm. So if... You know, look, I wish all my clients had started something, finished them, but the truth is they don't. <laughs> yes. But that, that also gives you a, a line in the sand of, you know, what's what can I do? Mm. So then a lot of people love doing things they like to do, but I like to think people need to work out what they can do and then what they like the most of what they can do. That's Does that brilliant. make sense? Yes. <laughs> it sounds like you offer um, so much um, support to, in so many different ways, Phil. Um, what are the challenges that your clients face when they eventually return to the workforce and try to sustain their employment that they've found through you guys? Um, what are the challenges they face? So the beauty of mental illness is that it's invisible. Mm -hmm. So working in disability, if... If you uh, had a hearing aid, I'd have a stab a guess that you may have a hearing problem or if you're in a wheelchair, I'd know you'd have a mobility problem. But if you've got a mental illness, you can't quite tell straight away. So a lot of the symptoms or the traits or whatever come out as personality traits. So people think, gee, they're very quiet, they're very standoffish, they yeah. don't say hello in the morning, they've got sunglasses on, you know, inside, what's going on here? Mm. They don't say much. So it's about... They're the problems that people face and that's the disclosure area and what people can sort of... That's where disclosure in a workplace can work well if you can get to the point where you can 
almost educate the immediate workforce that people work with. Mm. And sometimes with some clients, I've spoken to the boss and they know. And I said, look, might be just just give your people. You don't have to give them the full story, but mm. just say, this is what this guy is. He's on, he's going very well. He's on medication. He's going to be a bit quieter in the mornings. Afternoons, he'll be he'll be annoying the lot, the lot of years because mm. he'd be so up and about. But mornings, he he doesn't get up too well. So that gives them that kind of idea. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Thank you. Uh, do you believe there is enough government assistance provided to job seekers with mental illness? Do you see areas where it can be improved? Oh. <laughs> How long we got? Yeah. <laughs> it's only 5.24. Yeah, five um, <laughs> no, I think they could do lots more. I think they could do lots more. And I think they could do lots more with um, maybe government organisations and jobs in those areas. So a lot of people... Um, a lot of my clientele are frightened off by job ads. So if, and, and no one's going to write a job ad and say, look, we want someone really mediocre in this and really mediocre. I know, I understand that. But a lot of my clients read job ads and say, must have excellent this, must have excellent that. And the government are the worst at it and got key selection criteria, mm. which would take you three weeks to fill out. And yes. it's just not, it, it is not good. It's not a, that's, that, that frightens people off and makes, people feel worse about themselves than what they probably should because truth be known they could probably do the job and they just immediately cancel themselves out cancel themselves out because no i don't have excellent commitment i don't have that Mm. rubbish you don't you Mm. do you know they they do they just don't do it so they could do a lot more um des doesn't get the same funding like for wage subsidies that job active does so i can't see why that would be i can't see the reasoning in that so things like that that anything that would help an employer employ someone and make it easy well i'm all for i'd be i'll be i'll vote for them if they can do that (laughs) do you uh find that a lot of your clients find well-being through this process that you provide finding employment um if you could capture it and film it it would make a really good so you don't get much feedback (laughs) (laughs) you do it's just it's like they do i've seen people grow and um, look, there's a, another guy up at the clinic whose famous statement to a psychologist there was the thought of going to work makes me feel suicidal. Mm. This wasn't a flippant statement. This was, mm. he was shooting straight from the hip. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it was me, it was him, but 12 months after he made that statement and after three failed attempts to get him to do something, he found a job. And by the end of the year, he was working full time. Okay. And he'd changed his own job. <laughs> it used to worry me a bit, but he'd mm. say, Phil, I'm not that place anymore. I've started work at another joint. He'd, so he'd gone in under two years from someone who, cre- who made that statement. And it wasn't, as I say, I, I was there when he made it. He was fair income. Yeah. To a bloke working full time. It was quite um, it's, incredible. It's so pretty amazing. And oh, look, and, and the other areas of his life, he was, um, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be listening. So he was fairly overweight and that. Now he's like an Adonis. He's fit. He's <laughs> he's going well. He's another guy that didn't drive. He's got a car. He's, you know. I know last time I spoke to him, he was going on holidays. From the money he'd made, he's got an overseas holiday at Thailand at Christmas time. So oh, brilliant. From, from that to that. So it, it just does wonders. 
Mm-hmm. It just does wonders for some people, real miracles. That, that's amazing. Um, just to finish off, if people want to get in contact with Disability Employment Service, like your provider, how can they find assistance and more information? More information. So Sensewide is, I think it's, they describe us as a boutique des provider, <laughs> whatever that is. So we have a couple of different programs. So we're, we're a derivative of VicDef, who are just around the corner here in... Um, the other side of Victoria Parade. So we look after people with sensory issues. Mm-hmm. We also have an LGBTQTI contract. So people with mental illness that identify along that, we have a special program for that. Then we have the generalist contract, which I'm sort of a part of. I'm a real Google guy. Like, I'm really lazy at finding stuff. You know, <laughs> So I just Google, Google the name and it, <laughs> it'll yeah. come up. But sense what I should, mm. I, th- I thought I'd bring my cards just so I remember. But eight six two zero seven one five five is headquarters in the city for Sensewide. So you can give them a ring, give them a look. Yeah. They're a good, lovely bunch of people that I work with. And we'll make sure we put those numbers up on our Brainwaves podcast page as well. So a huge thank you to Phil for coming on the show today. That's all we have time for. And thank you to Kate and Rebecca for interviewing as well. You can catch more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or you can find podcasts of our show on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and on iTunes. If you have any show ideas or if you want to get in touch with us, you can feel free to email us, brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Next week on the show, we will be talking about body image and bulimia with somebody who has a lived experience of um, bulimia, which will be a really interesting show, so listen along. Next Wednesday, 5pm, we'll be back for a new episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. Thank you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.